Hi, everybody. The last two episodes were kind of heavy, right? Let's go light on this one. Let's talk about TV shows and movies, because a big one is coming out. Don't freeze. I never freeze. Black Panther's the first mainstream movie about a black superhero. People are calling it a milestone, a landmark. And there seem to be lots of other signs that Hollywood isn't just typecasting people of color anymore. But here's my question. How happy should these signs make me? I mean, do casting directors in general think actors of color can be anything now? Are the days of, say, black guys always being cast as the bad guys over? Or are the examples of progress just anomalies? Anecdotes. Uh, I think anecdotes are humorous. But I like to refer to that in this phrase that I often use, which is called adventures in missing the point. Stacey Smith and her team at the University of California Annenberg do a yearly analysis of the top 100 films. When you focus on anecdotes, you miss the real reality. And she says the reality is there hasn't been that much progress. There are still very few high-profile roles for people of color. In 2016, of the top 100 films, just three featured women of color as leads or co-leads. Our data present a fairly condemning picture of the lack of motivation and follow-through of this very progressive Hollywood community. With that in mind, I bring you three stories of people you don't usually hear from in Hollywood. One betrayed his family to be an actor, and three decades later wonders if it was worth it. One found a refuge from her identity issues in Hollywood until Hollywood changed its mind. And one came out of hiding after fulfilling a dream of being in Black Panther. I'm Rupa Shanoi, and this is Otherhood. all about being something you're not, right? So theoretically, anyone should be able to act as anyone. The problem is there's a rich history of white actors perpetuating cruel, degrading stereotypes with their portrayals of non-whites, like minstrel shows with actors in blackface. And the first one that I remember being outraged by, buck-toothed Mickey Rooney playing Mr. Yunioshi in Breakfast at Tiffany's. In the movies of the 1980s, when non-whites did make it on screen, they were the bad guys, or the comic relief. One of the classic examples is Long Duck Dong in Sixteen Candles. Oh, no more Yankee, my wanky. Dong! <laughs> Where is my automobile? Automobile? <laughs> Lately, all the nuances with representation have gotten more complex. Like with the CBS show Hawaii Five-O last year. Two of the stars, Korean-Americans Daniel Day Kim and Grace Park, said CBS refused to pay them as much as the two other stars, who are white. This year, they were replaced by two other Asian-American actors. Angry online activists said CBS was racist. Kim and Park said it was just business. And that makes sense to Kelvin Han Yi. He says really only bigger stars can care about pay disputes. Everyone else is just happy to get cast and get a job. 
A lot of my community cried racism about this. And having worked on the show, I don't think anybody was trying to be racist. I don't think anybody was trying to play the race card. But it broke down that way. Yi was Honolulu Chief of Police Mahaka in Hawaii Five-O, opposite Daniel Day Kim. So now that the case is closed and the record's clear, HPD would like to reinstate you. I truly appreciate the offer, sir. But we're doing great work over at Five-O. That's my home now. In real life, the Honolulu Chief of Police is a white woman. But that was a good job for Yi. He's been in the business for 30 years, and unlike Daniel Day Kim and Grace Park, most of the time, Yi has to take whatever jobs he can get. And most of those roles seem dictated by his identity. I am almost never called upon to play my own experience. I am called upon to play the other. Usually he's cast as a bad guy, and he does it, because he reasons those roles are better than another stereotypical portrayal of Asian men as emasculated. They are at least masculine. One of Yi's next roles coming out is in the HBO sci-fi drama Westworld. Yi plays a guy who lays railroad tracks in the American West, which is something one of his granddads actually did in real life. Come on over here, I gotta show you this. Excuse the mess. That granddad and lots of Yi's family look out from a whole wall of pictures in Yi's house. The photos show an immigrant family's journey from China to a Santa Barbara laundry and then to three generations of Americans. In one black and white, a young Yi stands with his hands behind his back, wearing a cop uniform. It was for one of his earliest acting jobs as a San Francisco officer in a public service announcement. Next to him in the picture stands a small woman with a hand on his shoulder, his mom. I mean, she looks proud. (laughs) Maybe she's acting. (laughs) Because in real life, Yi's mom called him a bum. His parents never approved of his career as an actor even though Yi's whole thing was that he wanted to help people see his family as normal Americans. I broke my parents' heart. I broke their heart. I, I have guilt about it. I believe I put him in the grave. And if he's honest with himself, he's not sure it was worth it. I drove about a half hour from Yi's house out of Hollywood to visit Gina Bose. Great to finally meet you. Thanks so much for coming. You have a beautiful home. Thank you. Be nice. Hi. She's gentle. She's not the smartest, but she's gentle. <laughs> Bose's house is like a menagerie. There are lots of dogs and cats. She had gotten in touch with me. Bose is an otherhood listener. And your podcast is just, it's made such a difference in my personal life. And God, thank you so much. No, really. Unlike Kelvin Han Yi, Bose found a refuge in Hollywood from identity issues that complicated her life since childhood. She grew up in Northern California. In a town called Weed. Yeah, I know, right? Everyone had their place and knew who they were, except for me. I can't remember when I stopped praying. Maybe I was about 15 years old. Every day I prayed to God before I went to bed that I would wake up with blonde hair and blue eyes, that he would make me white because I thought, God must not like me because I'm brown and because I'm treated so poorly by everybody. Bose is half descended from people in the Polynesian region. The other half is a lot of things, white, Native American, Latino. People take her for a lot of identities. In Weed, that meant she didn't fit in anywhere. 
there was a time when I was with a girlfriend of mine who was white, and we were in Lincoln Park, where the African-American, you know, community is, and this group of black boys came and started calling us honkies and telling us to get out and go back to our own park. This is their park. They chased us with chains and sticks and were throwing rocks and were spitting on us. And then we went to another park, which was the White Park. And, you know, my girlfriend got told, take your little friend and get out of here. Go to the Black Park, the one that we had just gotten chased out of and got called honky. <laughs> she felt like she found another version of that when she started auditioning in Hollywood. Directors often said what they were looking for race-wise when they put out casting calls like Asian, Black, Latina. And Bose's identity just confused them. A lot of casting people told me in the beginning, choose one. Choose an ethnicity and stick with it. And I couldn't. I didn't want to. I didn't think I had to. (laughs) So I get casting directors just not really sure where to put me ethnically. They always want to put me as African-American or Puerto Rican. And I'm, I'm not either. And I just, I've tr- I tried it. Both tried doing what a lot of white actors have done, acting an identity that wasn't hers. It didn't go well. I tried identifying as an African-American woman for a while when I first started acting, uh, on camera. Awful, it just was just, I felt like such a fraud. I felt like such a fraud, and even you know, some of my, my, my African-American friends were just like, Gina, just stop it. You're embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing us. Just stop. <laughs> they said it in love, of course. So she tried acting as a Latina. You know, that didn't work either. It just didn't resonate with anyone. And I don't think it resonated with me, because I couldn't own it, because that's not who I was. It wasn't who I was, authentically. Finally, a friend of hers wrote a film with a starring role for a woman from the Polynesian region, and she cast Bose. The movie was about a couple called Heart of Mind. Oh, you know what this is about? This is, you're unable to deal with the fact that you're a walking contradiction. Whoa, excuse me? Don't walk away from me. I'm sorry. They tried to show the movie at an Asian Pacific film festival, and Bose says the organizers wouldn't accept their entry. Because they thought I was African-American. I'm not Asian enough. I'm not even Asian enough for the Asian Pacific Islanders. In that group, I was still facing rejection. And for Bose, that was the last straw. I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. With on-screen work. But she'd also been auditioning for voice acting roles for TV cartoons. Animation was, was really exciting to me because I could be whatever. I could be a unicorn. I could be a pony. I could be a princess. I could be a dragon. I could be a boy. I could be somebody who wasn't me. And she was. For cartoons, video games, and the popular anime series Bleach. <laughs> oh, you thought I was dumb or something, huh? <laughs> Bye-bye. My whiskers are going to be all up in that jambalaya, and there ain't nothing your slobbery, flea-bitten, tail-wagging, fluffy self is going to do about it. If you think of me, I'll be with you. The crowning achievement was when she was hired to be the official voice of Barbie in Barbie toys and video games. I was Barbie. Getting the role made Bose think of all those times she prayed as a kid to be white. I was like, 
oh, maybe this is God's little way of answering that prayer. <laughs> you know, all these years later. I know it's kind of silly. The voice acting world still had some identity issues that Bose thought were weird. Like, directors would ask her to sound black. Can you sound more black? I get that a lot. Can you make her sound more urban? Can you make her sound more Latina? It's hard. It's really hard because you want the job. (laughs) But at the same time, you're like, I am selling my soul to the devil here. It was even stranger to see white colleagues voice characters of color. I remember one character in particular, this this, uh, woman voiced this little African-American boy. And I remember thinking, what? Really? And I was like, okay, it's voiceover. I guess that's just the world of voiceover. All right, let's do this. But lately, Bose has noticed some studios have started to care, in some cases, about representing characters accurately. So, say, for a Latino cartoon character, they try to find a Latino voice actor. They really, really care now, especially when it comes to superhero characters. And I don't know what changed. I honestly don't know what changed. You know, I I recently auditioned for, you know, a character who is African-American. And they even called my agent and they said, is GK African-American? Because we really liked her for this character, but we really want to cast an African-American for this character. We know she's Polynesian, but can she, you know, authentically say? And I was just like, why can't she be Polynesian? (laughs) There was one character who fit that description a girl who grows up on a Polynesian island. She was in a Disney film called Moana. Moana, make way, make way. There were lots of cultural advisors on Moana, making sure Disney got things right. Osnot Sure was one of the producers. For us, yes, there was a huge element of respect and of course of inclusion and of even more than that, of collaboration, of working together to get the essence of the story Bottom line, though, we wanted great actors. We're making movies for the whole world, and it's not that easy, actually, to convey in the right way the essence of a character. Ethnic authenticity alone wasn't enough. They wanted someone who was authentically near their main character's age, too, so Gina Bose was out of luck. Hundreds of people with the right ethnic background came in for auditions. But they didn't find their Moana until a producer in Hawaii remembered someone she'd helped cast for a local jingle. She just remembered this young woman. There was something about her. This was Ali, Ali Carvalho, who became our Moana. See the light where the sky needs to see, it calls me. And no one knows how far it goes. Oh boy, did we ever get lucky. And I have to tell you, It was so moving. First of all, she was amazingly good. And then when I took a photograph with her after the audition and she was near our already designed Moana character, she looks like her. And that maybe sounds more like the on-screen world that Gina Bowes gladly left behind. But there was a happy ending for her, too. Bowes still got to play Moana, just in the audiobook version. Unaware of what a close call that had been, and already over the trauma of being in the water, Pua happily nuzzled her face. The job got her on the cover of Polynesian People magazine, and Bose finally had proof she belonged somewhere and that some group claimed her. 
So I kind of was like, look, I, like, I told you I wasn't black. Like, I told you I wasn't, like, you know, straight up Latina. I told you I wasn't Cuban. I told you I wasn't, you know, Puerto Rican. Look, I'm Polynesian. It says right here, Polynesian People Magazine. That's me. <laughs> so does Bose think casting directors should find voice actors who authentically represent the characters they play or not? I asked her that, and she says she has no idea. Let's go back to Black Panther. It's about the king of a mythical kingdom in Africa, a kingdom that pretends to be agrarian, but is really the most technologically advanced society on Earth. And just talking about that plot makes me wonder about what African countries and former colonies everywhere could have been if they were never interfered with by European powers. Hello? Bamadan? Yes. Hi, this is Rupa. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, 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 good. Yeah, you sound a little tired. Yeah, it's... uh... My world has kind of changed. Bamba John Bamba was born in Ivory Coast, a former French colony that, for years after its independence, was known as a peaceful and harmonious place with a good economy. Bamba's uncle was a finance minister, and the whole extended family used to get together in his big house. So a lot of pleasant memories, being in the village sometimes on the summers, hanging out with my grandmother. Um, wow. Yeah, my grandmother passed away uh, like last year, and I I oh. didn't even I haven't seen her since. So I'm sorry. Whew, yeah, it's some of the sacrifices we make. Um, I didn't mean to get all emotional, but yeah. Bamba never saw his grandmother again because a few days before Christmas, 1992, Bamba and his parents flew to the states. They settled in the South Bronx. Bamba was 10. Then Ivory Coast's first and only president after independence died, and the country fell into civil war. Thousands of people died. I have friends that died. Bamba's parents applied for asylum in the States. The process was long and stressful. I remember them fighting sometimes because I, I guess my mom wasn't getting, she, she, she was letting the fear override. So there's just been a a lot of fear. He didn't know why until he graduated from high school. And then they told him he was undocumented. Bamba still found a way to go to college and start acting. By 2012, when President Obama signed the executive order instating Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, Bamba was guest starring in TV shows like Grey's Anatomy. I can't sleep back home. I have all these sisters. Gondo, he's my only brother. I don't want to lose him. I know you don't. I know. DACA allowed Bamba to work legally, but when there were shoots abroad, he had to say he couldn't go. There were lots of opportunities he lost like that. I get offers, you know, to shoot movies in France, and I can't really go. Sometimes I'm like, well, maybe if I audition and I'm good enough, the studio or the production company will find a way and fight for me to kind of get whatever document I need to travel and come back. But it's an uphill battle because as an actor, you just want to go in there and kill it in the audition room. But to have all those extra things in the back of your mind is definitely stressful. He hid the stress. 
Even though Bamba wondered how much more successful he could be if he didn't have to hide, he never spoke publicly about being undocumented. There was fear around immigration my entire life, like for 25 years. So we all know that people are going through it, but no one really talks about their status, especially when you're black and uh, you're an immigrant. Okay. Then came Tuesday, September 5th, 2017. Good morning. I'm here today to announce that the program known as DACA that was effectuated under the Obama administration is being rescinded. Attorney General Jeff Sessions announced that DACA would end in six months, and Congress had that much time to do something about people with DACA status. The program had allowed, quote, illegal aliens to take the jobs of Americans by circumventing the law. Failure to enforce the laws in the past has put our nation at risk of crime, violence, and terrorism. The message was DACA put Americans in danger. It enraged and frustrated Bamba. I've been given this platform in part because of DACA. And, you know, I kind of feel like a fraud if people with so much less than me are coming out to fight and I'm sitting there hiding in the corner. And I also have a daughter now. She's about to turn one. And I, I mean, I just can't be scared anymore. I can't sit back and just watch the news and, and sit and pray. I have to fight. Bamba came out, and he wants more actors to come out as undocumented, so the entertainment industry will do more to advocate for them. And he hopes Black Panther will amplify that message. Bamba's role in the film is described as military leader. I've been wanting to be in this movie for years. We all kind of heard the echoes in Hollywood. Oh, they're making a Black Panther movie. Black Panther's happening. So when it was finally happening, I mean, I wanted to be in it so much. I bought like a little poster with Black Panther in my office that I would see every day. And I even took Taekwondo classes. But just being on set, I mean, it was just amazing. You look all around, everyone's black. You look you look at this kind of movie and what it represents right now for Africa, for Africans. And now Bamba feels like he's being true to that message. There's definitely like a relief, like, okay, I just let the whole world in about who I am. So there's really nothing to hide. So there's definitely that kind of freedom. But at the same time, I mean, when when you're putting yourself in the position as being an advocate and as being a leader of a cause that a lot of people don't agree with, obviously that comes with whatever consequences that comes with. So far, it's come with a lot of nasty, hateful web comments. But Bamba isn't hiding anymore. He isn't alone. He's got people fighting back online on his behalf. And together, he says, they have power. I can't wait to see Black Panther for lots of reasons. But the biggest is just because I love sci-fi. Like, a lot. I love sci-fi because I love to speculate about the future and what might be possible. It helps to remember we're not trapped in this moment. Identity and representation might not always be so difficult and confusing. And for now, we can at least act like we've got things figured out. And that's this episode. 
Thanks to Blue Note Sessions for their music and to you for listening. Let me know what you're thinking and if you have stories I should explore. I'm at Rupa Shinoy on Twitter and Otherhood has a Facebook page. I should also mention the reviews on Apple Podcasts are super, super appreciated. Thank you. Okay, I'm Rupa Shinoy and this has been Otherhood from PRI.